companies, organizations, and sports teams overcome their mental blocks, reach their peak potential, increase their performance, produce more results, and just have more fun in their life and business. Bring me the energy, all right? choose will determine what you patient, discipline, and keep faith when you could be facing the end of your life. Today, we're going to talk about something deep, about how a gentleman, my friend, my brother, and someone I look up to, Cameron Prasad, was able to keep a vision for his future, stay super patient, and stay disciplined while he was fighting chronic kidney disease on this episode of the Success Code. Ready? Welcome to the Success Code, where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the Success Code. Success Code. Success Code. Success Code. Hey, everybody! I'm Roy Red, four-time best-selling author and the host of this show, The Success Code, where we talk about positive strategies on how to handle health, fitness, life, business, income, and just just hearing dope stories from dope people. And today I'm super excited. We got my brother Cameron Prasad. And we're going to talk about how to wait and keep faith with CKD. If you don't know what CKD is, CKD is chronic kidney disease. Um, I don't want to get too much into it. I'll let my brother tell his story. So let's bring him in. Brother Cameron, what's up, brother? How are you? What's good, man? Good to be with you, bro. What's going on, bro? So this is my brother Cameron, man. Entrepreneur, uh, just someone I always roll with. We clicked back in like 2005 when we met. Way back, way back. And we've, you know, a lot of times when you have friends, you grow apart. But me and him always had a growth mindset. So if I grow, he right with me. When he grow, I try to keep up with him. And so that's why we're able to stay friends for so long long and um just thanks for coming on man thanks for giving us your time brother and thanks for having me bro honored to be here you're doing a big bro i'm trying to i'm trying to yo your story is gonna change lives has changed lives and i just i just the people need to know your mindset and how you were able to get through and and your story so just kind of tell everybody who you are what you do and kind of uh, kind of ease into your story a little bit yeah, definitely, bro. Um, like my brother said, my name's Cameron Prasad, currently uh, 33 years old, and um, 
like Roy said, I've been blessed into different business ventures. Uh, we've done nonprofits. Uh, we've launched several businesses. We've been blessed to put some books together, um, some different philanthropy community efforts. And like Roy said, we just kind of rocking together since we were 18 years old and always kind of challenge each other and push growth uh, for one another. And um, literally right at the pinnacle of all that, I would say in probably like I would consider the prime of my 20s at 28 years old, I just began feeling extremely ill, not feeling very well. And um, initially, I just assumed I had the flu. So I kind of waited it out for a couple of days, three days, four days, five days went by. I wasn't getting any better. Finally, uh, mom convinced me to take a trip to the ER, go get you know checked out like moms always do. And uh, to my surprise, they came in and said, hey, you have uh, stage five kidney disease. And uh, this was at 28 years old. I think physically, I was probably in the best shape of my life. So you can just imagine the, the denial, um, just how hard it was to accept. I mean, you're talking about a complete lifestyle change literally overnight. Yeah, yeah that's, I remember coming to the hospital and you breaking the news to us. And um, just real quick, I'm going to talk about the initial shock of it. Like, because right. I remember initially, first it was like disbelief, like, nah, if something's wrong, like, they had to get something wrong because, you know, you were always in shape. We worked out together. Um, you know, we always ran and lifted weights and all of that stuff. And then once we got past the initial shock of it, it was like, well, how did this happen? And like, you know, what was your mindset around that time? And I just remember me and, and Jeff were just like, yo, how did this happen? What's going on? Like, we right. really couldn't understand. Right. You know what I mean? Like, for one, it's hard to accept something that you don't know much about. Yeah. And kidney disease was something that I had very little to zero knowledge about. And not just that you have it, but that you have this aggressive form of it that has already progressed silently in your body for so many years. And it wasn't like you have this disease and it's going to slowly progress. It was like, no, you're at stage five now. You need to start dialysis ASAP. Yeah. You know, so I mean, it was just like the depression, the Mm -hmm. denial, you know, the disbelief. So immediately it was like this, something's wrong, do the test over. I'm this extremely healthy, health fanatic, working out, running, eating right, dude. I didn't do anything to cause this. And that's a lot of times the misconception of the disease is that you did something to cause it, which isn't always the case. And that was my situation. My scenario was that, you know, they said it's probably just this dormant gene that you had. Maybe you inherited, maybe you didn't. They couldn't give you direct answers. And it's even more frustrating when the doctors can't tell you where it came from or how you got it, but just the fact that you're stuck with it. And like now it's time to make these lifestyle adjustments literally overnight so you can just, you know, begin the battle and start doing what you have to do. Yeah. Yeah, I know um, kind of the the five phases of grievement is they say, call it dab does. First is denial, then it's anger, then you try to bargain with it then you get a little depressed and then you accept it. And the premise of that whole idea is when you accept it, you can take action and actually do something about it. And I just admire how fast you were able to accept it because you, what you sprung right into action. You still Mm. was working, um, still was doing what you had to do. um, And at the same time, I would say you under communicated because just you were just you're just a man about everything and you didn't mm. want you didn't want it to you didn't want to be a hindrance to people. Right. So right. just someone who doesn't want to be a hindrance to people, like 
but at the same time you want to communicate how did you navigate that because i know for a while like i was like wondering like okay like what's going on like right. how did you right. navigate um just everyday life and just being a man about it and trying to just be regular you know it's it's tough man because it's like you're dealing with something you've never experienced before yeah. and for one you're scared to death because you don't understand it you don't know what the side effects are going to be you don't know how fast it's going to progress there's so many unknowns that you're you're literally scared for your life and um it's just i mean i i've always kind of been a firm believer that in life we're all called to take action and that we're all given circumstances or certain situations for a reason um, most of the time, we don't understand why certain things have been given to us, why we have to go on certain journeys, why certain obstacles are placed in front of us. But, you know, once I got past the depression, once I got past the, the crying myself to sleep, once I got past the feeling sorry for myself and the anger, yeah. it was like, okay, let's go to work. You know, there's, there's a reason why I've been given this journey. I don't know what, what that reason is. I don't know how long I'm going to be on this journey, but I won't find out until I start taking action. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I got, I got with my brothers, I got with my family. You know, I told them that, okay, I'm at a place now where I'm accepting it. Let's start talking to doctors. Let's start getting experts advice. Let's start talking to holistic people, whatever we have to do. And like you said, I just put my head down. I went to work. That's the way I've always looked at things. That's the way I approach sports. That's the way I approach the gym. Even when I didn't want to do the work, the work had to be done. You know, and I knew the only way I was going to beat this, progress it, you know, make make headway with it, and ultimately be to where I wanted to be again, which was healthy and living a, a normal life, yeah. was that I had to get through that journey. You know what I mean? So I just put my head down and went to work. And fortunate, you know, I have people like yourself. I have people like my brother Jeff, my family. It's so important to have that support around you. Yeah. And people who understand, like, you know, we know what you're going through. You don't have to talk about it, but we just know we got you. Yeah. You know, and that's what, that's what kept me going was like, I don't have to talk about it every day. I don't have to let them know how I'm feeling every day. But if I need them, I know I can call Rodney's there. You know, I can call Jeff. He's gonna pick the phone up. So, you know, that goes a long way when you're when you're in a battle for your life, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, thank you for everyone who just jumped on. We are talking to my brother, Cameron. Uh, how to wait and keep faith um, when you have chronic kidney disease? But this is really how do you wait and keep faith in anything? So, if you guys have any questions, jump in the chat, make some comments. That's on the right side if you're on YouTube. That's below if you're on Facebook. Um, so, yeah, bro, like, and then how did you, so I, I know immediately you started eating clean. Like, you started eating super clean. Um, you didn't just lose weight because of the actual disease. You lost a lot of weight because you were eating so clean. You were right. still doing, like, light workouts um, mm -hmm. um, until you started dealing with, like the your bones uh, starting to weaken up on you and the plantar fasciitis and stuff like right. that. Right. So, did you make a plan? Like, how do you be in the presence of that, but still chase a future and a future that you're not even sure of what mm -hmm. happened? Like, you don't know when or if you'll ever get a another kidney or a donor. Right. Right. How do you, like, how do you sit your eyes down and stay disciplined? when without certainty because right. that's tough that's, that's i mean that's tough bro and a lot of it's kind of like you learn as you go yeah um but one thing i learned right off the bat was that and not just in a medical situation but in any situation in life it's like you need to be your own biggest advocate you know like you can't put 100 percent of everything into the social workers you can't put into the nurses you can't put into the doctors because they're not the ones battling the disease 
Right. You know, it's not their life on the line. It's, it's not their future and, and hanging in balance. It's like you have to understand, like, I need to take ownership of this and do what I got to do to give myself the best opportunity. Yeah, the doctors are there. Yes, the, the technicians are there and the, and the counselors and whatnot. But it's like when you take ownership of it and you say whether or not they're going to support me and be in my corner, I know I'm going to be all right because I got this. And me and my family are going to do what we have to do, you know. So um, the first six months of it was just studying the disease like I was a doctor in med school, bro. I was my my head was in every book, every article I can get my hands on. I wanted to know the, the phases of it. I wanted to know what were the changes I could expect in my body. I wanted to know how fast it was going to progress. Yeah. You know, like what, what were my odds in, of, of transplant? Where were my chances? What was the, the transplant process? Mm-hmm. You know, each state differs. So I just literally got my hands on everything I could. And in doing so, I quickly learned some of the changes I needed to make in my own body. Yeah. And like you said, diet was a big part of that. So. I cut a lot of the red meat because the kidneys aren't breaking down the protein like they need to. Yeah. You know, so you start spilling the protein over in your urine and that's not a good thing. Um, I started, you know, you got to control your blood pressure. That's a big thing once you become a dialysis patient and, and uh, you know, a renal failure patient. So I started, you know, cutting back the salt and that alone. And when you cut sodium out of your diet, you will lose so much water that, you know, the pounds will start coming off of you. And that's literally what I did for, for five years. I mean, you know, I mean, Days like this, we're in Southern California, it's like 111 degrees outside. Yeah. And for 24 hours, bro, I would drink a half a water bottle and that would last me 24 hours just because you had to control your fluids. Literally like a 12 ounce bottle of water would last me two days. Wow. You know what I mean? That's yeah. like outside, working, working out, wherever that, whatever I was doing, it's just because you have to develop this discipline that's going to give yourself the best opportunities to be successful. And that's what it took. And I know at one point uh, you weren't able to work anymore and you were just, you know, just going through the motions. What did you do to make time pass by? Like when you were super bored? Cause I know uh, my favorite book says an idle mind is the devil's playground. So what did you do to keep your mind going, uh, reading books? Like what were you doing to, 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 to no. keep them away? From an early age, I mean, especially as as young entrepreneurs, I mean, we always said that our downtime was our prep time. You know, I I live by that. So when I had nothing but idle time, I said this is my preparation time. Yeah. My head stayed in a book. I was reading everything I could. Yeah. You know, and then when I wasn't reading on the disease, I was reading on uh, post transplant care. Yeah. You know, I wasn't gonna get into the situation then figure it out. No, I wanted to know what do I need to do the second I'm out the hospital to give my kidney the best opportunity to to thrive and be successful, you know, to not face rejection, to start coming off some of those steroids and rejection meds as quickly as I can. So I was constantly preparing myself for the next step of the process, whatever it looked like, you know, and um, like I said, and then obviously we were, I began writing a book. Um, I wrote one with my, one of my good friends, Brian, during the process Yeah. Um, of just experiencing what I was going through. And then I started writing another one that I, I'm wrapping up now and completing now that I've received the transplant. I'm several months uh, post-transplant. That just kind of tells the overall story um, from beginning to end of from first being diagnosed to, you know, um, being a, 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 a transplant recipient. So, you know, I just kept my mind busy, man. And, and surrounding yourself with good, positive people is important. You know, when you're feeling up to it and you have enough energy, I would go hang out with friends. You know, I would hang out with my, my spiritual partners, man. We would pray. We'd put our heads down and just 
Yeah. You know, it was never like, what if you don't get it? What if this doesn't happen? It's like when you get the kidney, yeah. when you're healthy again, you know what I mean? We always spoke it into existence. Expected it. We expected it. You know, even when things were looking dim and it wasn't going to happen, like we said, it's coming. It's just a matter of time, you know? And I was determined to wait it out and do what I had to do to, to make it happen. And um, it's like, you know, we never lost sight of that. And that keeps you going in those dark times, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't going to lie. I was really... I was really sad about it because I don't, I don't know if I told you, but uh, my first partner, when I first started working 911, his name was uh, Maldonado, and he had uh, chronic uh, uh, kidney disease. Mm. And he got a transplant, and after he got a transplant, he like got MRSA, and he ended up passing. And so mm. I just remember just being super sad, and like I would always ask him, like, you know, like, how come you don't want to go like to the fire department or like do more? Like he didn't really like, he never talked about his ambitions. Mm-hmm. And then one day, finally, he like broke down to me, like what he wanted to do, what he really wanted to do, but he couldn't. Um, and then, and then I realized he was telling me all of this cause he was getting a kidney soon. And so now he could see the future and he was like, yo, I'm gonna do this and do that. And um, I actually transported him um back home when he was on hospice and i just Mm -hmm. remember just being super sad and that was like i shut that into my unconscious like i didn't i didn't mess with kidney stuff at all like right oh when that happened like i was just super sad because my experience with it was Mm -hmm. with him and maldonado and i just kept praying and i knew that our technology is better now because i was back in like oh six our technology it's so much better, but um, uh, tell us how um, it was being around family. Like, uh, were they, you know, down? Were they sad? Um, and then also touch on, I remember you had a couple donors that you thought would be able to donate, and then those fell through. And how, yeah. how did you keep your energy and your hopes up even after those fell through? Because I know a couple of them fell through. Right, right. So I mean, to, to touch on the first question, um, my family's amazing, man. Like my family and friends, extended family and friends. I mean, that's what I would say literally got me through some of the hardest and darkest times. I mean, when the doctor came in and diagnosed me and gave me like the prognosis and the the progression of, of the disease, um, my mom was in the room, which is my mom and I. And I remember like, I just, bro, I lost it. You know, I was just like, I had never felt so broken. Like in that moment, you know, that, that pain and that just, Everything that I was experiencing in that moment, like, was something I had never experienced before. Yeah. And like, I remember just looking over my mom, and she was just like stoic, you know, just like. And she looked at me dead in the face, was like, "Don't worry, you got it. Like, don't, you know, we got it. Don't worry about it, you know." And like at that moment, I was like able to pick myself up, like, "Okay, you're right, I got it." Yeah. And that's yeah. like the same. That's the exact attitude she carried all five years in my disease, man. You know what I mean? Like every time I was at a low moment, somehow she was able to like to tell that I was struggling, you know. And she was just like. You know, we're going to be all right. We got this, whatever we got to do. And like I talk, when I talk about being your biggest advocate, like that was my mom, bro. You know, she she became like my personal social worker. She was calling every organization, she, you know, every foundation, every doctor, you know, and she just did the work for me, man, and just made it that much easier. So that's why I really stress to people who've reached out to me and asked me that same as that question. It's like, man, just surround yourself with positivity, because if you're hearing it every day and when you hear something enough, you start to believe it. Yeah. You know? So regardless of how you're feeling, regardless of the feelings you're experiencing, 
you know, when your loved ones are constantly pouring into you and telling you, you know, you're going to beat this, don't worry about it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you start to carry that attitude. And that's how I woke up every morning, like, it's just another day, just another battle. Once I get through today, we'll worry about tomorrow, you know? And when when the, when the we started getting donors tested, bro, it was a total of 17 donors that got tested, man, that we were sending to get tested, who were willing to go and get tested on my behalf. And either they were disqualified for pre-existing medical conditions um, or sometimes the transplant center just didn't do their part and weren't calling people back, weren't getting them tested. So we went through every emotion with that from frustration to anger to just, you know, being sad and disappointed that people that we thought were going to donate couldn't, you know, because they went and got tested and found out they had a pre-existing condition they didn't have no idea they had, you know? So it was just like, okay, when it's like five, you're like, okay, we'll send another five. We'll get one out of this. Okay, now we're at 10. No one got through. Okay, another five. Now we're at 15. No one got through, you know? So it's like, it's safe to say at some point, man, you start kind of losing hope. Like, man, is this ever going to happen? Yeah. You know, it's like, it's been two years with 20 something people who've gotten tested and we can't get a single person to the next phase. Yeah. You know? So it gets tough, man. And that's when like, it's extremely important to surround yourself with those people who just say, Hey, we're just gonna keep pushing, man. We just, you know, we'll send 20 more down there if we have to, Yeah. you know? And that's what we just kept doing, man. We kept repeating the cycle, man, until we got our breakthrough and the, and the transplant, you know, became available, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you for everyone who just joined. We just tripled the amount of people on. Uh, we are talking to my brother Cameron Prasad about how to wait and keep faith when you're struggling, when you're going through a hard time, when you don't have total certainty about the future, but you still got to be present and you still got to do what you got to do in the moment. Um, yeah, bro. Um, tell a story real quick about um, the the lady who's a, who prophesized over you that Jeff knew. Um, I actually met her before. She prophesied over me too. Um, just mm-hmm. kind of touch on that story and then we'll get into how you how you were able to get your kidney and then we'll tie it all in together because it's, it's an amazing story, man. It's just yeah. all you can absolutely. really say is God, man. Man, absolutely. You know, and it kind of just comes back to the point we've been making about um, your faith, you know, and I tell people all the time who've asked me and, you know, who want my take on it. And I tell people, you have to believe in something, you know, and it doesn't matter what you call it, you know, or what your name is for that something, but you just have to have faith, man. And it's just like unwavering faith because you're going to go through so many obstacles and so many roadblocks along the way that you have to believe in something because like at the end of the day, it's too easy to want to give up. It's too easy to say this is never going to happen. So, you know, for me, it was like, if I wasn't constantly praying, I wanted to be around people who were praying for me. Yeah. And that's what I, that's why, I mean, honestly, when I got diagnosed, my circle became very small, even smaller than it already was. Yeah. You know, it was maybe like five people that I spoke to and just constantly surrounding myself around family because I knew that's where that love was going to come from. And that's what I needed in those, those darkest days, man, those darkest moments. And in doing that, um, you know, you get people of faith who, who know other people of faith. And we had a fundraiser, um, I guess about a year and a half ago, just trying to raise some funds for, you know, the the procedure and some of the post expenses after the procedure. And uh, my good, my brother, Jeff, who's a pastor, reached out to me and said, you know, there's a woman who's um, in my organization and in my circle of friends of faith who uh, not only wants to donate, but she's asked if I can put you on the phone with her. 
So, of course, me, you know, being more than willing to do so, we got on the phone and um, just immediately, man, she just began speaking into my life. She told me that, you know, she felt that God wanted her to deliver a message to me. And she was, you know, asking if I was willing and open to accept it. I said, absolutely. And she began explaining that I was going to receive this kidney and that it was going to come from someone who I didn't personally know, but it was going to be a young man and that... Um, Strangely enough, my family and his family would become extremely close, even though we didn't know each other. So, you know, I'm listening to her and I'm like, that sounds crazy. You know, I'm like, I don't, you said I don't know these people, but our families are going to become extremely close. And, you know, we're going to be like BFFs after the operation. And I'm thinking like, that's just not how it normally works. And, you know, the transplant center was telling me stuff like sometimes you don't even get to meet someone's family. It's like a year later after they donate to you, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, I received, I received the word. And I said, I appreciate it. Yeah. And, um, Man, almost exactly two years later after speaking to her, she prophesied it like exactly how my situation played out and the way I received my kidney. Yo, so that lady is wild. So I met her through Jeff one time. And then actually I ended up seeing her at my job. And I can't say where because I can't say who's been there, but right we're walking through the hallway and she walks past me, takes a couple steps and she turns and goes, Roy. Hmm. And she was like, oh, you remember me through Jeff? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then she just blew up and prophesized over me. She was like, you're going to do this, this, this and that. Just stick with it. And Mm -hmm. like, yo, she's wild. And it was kind of like that same thing. Like, are you willing to receive what, what, what God wants me to tell you? like when she was saying it you get like this this feeling in your chest like you just know that she's really talking that real so touch on uh what happened the last couple days when you actually got your kidney what happened and and um like when they called you and how you were able to get the donor and what you're allowed to share yeah so um so basically we were at a at a point when i say we and my family and i were we had sent close to 20 people to be tested on my behalf um, who were willing to possibly give up a kidney. And um, we had basically received word that, you know, almost 20 something people that none of them had qualified to move forward to the to, to the next step in order to be qualified as a, as a kidney. So um, with that, that being said, a, a dark, a dark time you know, was kind of, there wasn't a whole lot that looked like it was lining up for us. There wasn't a whole lot that, that looked like it was going to happen for me in the future. And so kind of dealing with that, trying to come up with more people to get, uh, to get tested. And randomly one morning, 6.30, 7 a.m. I say, my cell phone rang, woke me up. Um, I answered the phone, and it was someone from my transplant center. And literally her exact words, like, is this Cameron? And I was like, you know confirmed that it was. And she said, I need you to come down to uh, transplant center immediately and uh, take your COVID test and prepare to go into in the operation for a kidney transplant. So, bro, I literally told the lady, like, bro, you want to have the wrong phone number. Like, I've sent 20 people down there and no one's been qualified to, to donate. You know, she's like, no, nah, I'm pretty sure, like, this is you, if this came for size, et cetera, et cetera. So I didn't ask no question, man. I ran down. I got a hold of my mom, woke her up, like, oh, we got to go to, we got to go to the transplant center. Went down there. And literally, bro, like within 24 hours, man, I was in the operating room. 
and um, it's just it's just crazy. You know, the details is it, it's going to be in the book. I, I can't really do a whole lot of it right now, but I can just assure you, man, it was nothing sort of just God working it, man. And um, the way that Kenny became available, um, you know, it came from a young man who who lost his life due to violence. And um, it's just like I said, it's just by the grace of God, man, that I was kind of in a place where I was I was ready to receive the the kidney. I had done all my pre-operation workup and all my labs were good. I got myself healthy enough where I was able to go into such a a strenuous operation. And um, like I said, everything's lined up for me in my favor, man. And like I said, within 24 hours, bro, I received a kidney, and three days later, I was back home recovering. Was he was a football player, yeah. Right, exactly. You know what, man? It's like it's weird. I was just speaking to my mom about that, and um, I have some questions I definitely want to ask his family because like I have these habits now that I didn't have prior, and like things that I used to do every single day, all of a sudden like I don't do them anymore. Um, I was never a coffee drinker. Like all of a sudden, I'm drinking coffee. I mean, like this weird stuff. I'm like, dude, I never like coffee, you know. So I don't know. I definitely have some questions for the family. Um, I think I'll have a better answer for you once I get to talk to some of his uh, some of his relatives. But I do know I can definitely say that some of my habits have changed. Some of my taste buds have changed. And I'm doing things and eating things I wasn't doing before. So it's possible. I'll let you know soon for sure, though. That's dope. That's dope. Yo, so so everyone who just jumped on, we're talking to my brother, Cameron Prasad, talking about how to keep faith and be patient and wait when you don't even know uh, what's in store for you from the future. Uh, we got some people who just jumped into chat. We got Teresa. She said, amazing story. Uh, my brother, J-Dog's on here. We got Brittany Agnew watching hey, live. Uh, yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you guys so much. All right, so let's lighten it up a little bit. Yo, your story is amazing. Um, what what was the uh, the best book or your favorite book that you read uh, over the course of that time, and how did it help you uh, the most? Hmm. Uh, let's see. So I read a book called Inner Excellence. Um, who was it was written by. Um, it was written by a professional who actually does some of the work that you do, bro. He was actually a, like a, a mental performance coach for major league baseball players. Okay. And um, in the book, he talks a lot about just overcoming those mental obstacles, those mental blocks. Um, and, you know, as, as an athlete and an athlete yourself, you understand that we're all about results, man. We want the results. And um, sometimes it's tough. It's tough to, to reach those results um, when you're not feeling like yourself. You don't feel like getting up and putting the work in, but... Anyone who's an athlete knows that you don't get the results unless you put the work in, you know. So you need to find something or someone or whatever it is that gets you up out of bed every day and motivates you just to take massive action. Yeah. You know, and for me, it was just envisioning, like, the future again, you know, like becoming excited about something again. Yeah. And like, when, you're, when you're in a dark place for five years, it's kind of hard to be excited about your future. But if and when you get back to that place where you're just excited to what's the next venture, you know, what's my next big purchase, you know, when you're looking at your dream home again, and it gives you something to want to work towards. So I probably read like close to probably like 40 books 
if not more, while I was kind of going through the the darkest days of the, the disease, I would say like maybe the last year and a half, two years. Uh-huh. But I would say Inner Excellence is probably the book that inspired me to take the most action. Yeah. So anything that inspires me to take action, I'm gonna say like that's my favorite book by far, you know, or any type of music that inspires me to get up and move, like that's my that's my favorite music right now, yeah. you know. So anything that makes me want to just take action, and that's what that book did for me. Yeah. Yeah, action's always been a big thing to you. I remember, and you still gotta write that book is when you used to always be like, none of that matter if you can't apply it. Like, how are you gonna right. apply it? Right. And like, I even take that mindset. Uh, whenever I go anywhere, if I'm learning something, I go, okay, how does this apply to me and how can I apply it to my life or how can mm. I apply it to my business? And I even wrote, um, I think you gave like a like a five step on how to apply something and how to think about it. And I, I put that in the uh, last page of the success magnet, but uh, yeah. super dope. Uh, we got Keon on here. He said, way to keep strong, brother. Way to keep strong. Thanks, Keon. For appreciate, it. Thank you, appreciate it. Um, so philosophy values mm. what would you say is um and obviously a hundred quotes are gonna come to your mind because you're an avid writer right. but uh what, right. what would you say is a quote you live by um i'll say a couple things one thing we've always said since we were 17 years old is like you do what you you know you you are what you do every day yeah you know and and excellence is a it's a habit it's not a single act yeah you know so um Every day you have to get up and you gotta you have to practice that that habit of excellence. You have to strive for excellence every single day. It's not one deed you did. It's not one thing you did great. It's like what you repeatedly do to get into the habit of greatness, get in the habit of excellence. You know, and we always said, you know, we used to challenge each other in the gym and you know call each other early in the morning. Hey, get out of bed. Let's get this work. You know, it's like if you if you do nothing every day, then it's like you're you're a bum. Yeah. You know, if you strive for greatness every day, you're great. You know, so it's like I tell people it doesn't matter where you start. It's where you ultimately end up. You know, every every time we start something new or we start from the beginning, it's never the end result. It's never the end result that we all want to achieve. But it's like just get up and, and put the work in, man. Just put the work in. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I would preach that to someone more than probably anything else. It's just it's really two things. It's like one. Don't stop taking action. You know, even when you feel bad, get up and go for a walk. Even if you walk two, three doors down, whatever it is, you know, push yourself to do something that you don't feel like doing. And two, it's just don't don't lose the faith, man. Just yeah. keep pushing, keep believing in something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite books that teaches that concept is uh, Chop, Wood, Carry Water. And yeah. um, it's just every day you got to chop that wood and carry that water. And the work. It's it's what makes it hard to do is it's easy it's it's right. so easy not to do you know what i mean someone the other day was like yo how do you sit down and write a write these books and i'm like bro i was like it's it's super hard because it's super easy you right. just gotta sit down and start typing like you and really I'm gotta sit down and write you right. know what i mean so that's just that's just how it is um what does six Hold on, let me say what's up to everyone who jumped on. Jason Bale, thank you for jumping on. Brittany says, I definitely needed this inspirational message. I needed that push and that faith. Man. Uh, Teresa said, yes, joy is the most healing frequency. Uh, thank you guys for jumping on. For everyone else who jumped on, I'm talking to my brother Cameron Prasad. We're talking about how to wait and keep faith when you're battling something that seems really hard to battle like when you're just battling with super struggle, I haven't 
seen any struggle. I haven't can't even imagine any struggle worse than uh, what my brothers went. Mm. Um, what's success to you, man? Like, what is the successful life to you? Um, I ask that question to everybody who comes on the show, and it seems to get I get a different answer every time. But um, what does success mean to you? Right. I mean, success is something I think like we can all define differently. Um, one thing I can tell you is that my definition of success today is probably a lot different than it was five years ago. Yeah. You know, it, I think at one point all of our lives, it's like to make as much money as we want to make, live where we want to live and, you know, find our soulmate and have some kids and live happily ever after, you know? But, um, I think for me, especially after going through what I've gone through, it's like appreciating and recognizing small things, um, you know, realizing that your biggest blessings aren't material things at all, you know, and going through something like a disease that could potentially take your life will make you realize that. Yeah. So, you know, you asked me today, a couple months after post-transplant, it's like my health. My health is like my biggest blessing in my life right now, yeah. you know, and I don't take a single day for granted, you know, little aches and pains or nothing compared to what I've gone through, you know, it's like, I'll take it, you know, and don't get me wrong, after post-transplant, it's not like everything is perfect, you don't always feel great. Yeah. But I just tell myself, like, man, I prayed for these problems, you know, like I, I paid, I prayed for this incision pain or I, <laughs> eight, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I remember laying up and had, like, looking at all these staples across my stomach and I'm like, man, I prayed for these staples, <laughs> you know, like this shows me that I have a, a new life coming, you know? So it's like just recognizing and enjoying a lot of the small things. Um, and, you know, I feel I'm the most successful right now that I've ever been in life, not because of what's in my bank account or not because of ventures of business opportunities that I've had, but because I'm healthy, because I have an amazing family, I have amazing friends. And I'm just like, if you have that in your life, man, with great health, you can't get any richer, bro. Yeah. That's facts. That's facts. Tell us about uh, how you've been feeling at post-recovery. I remember, I remember you got out there. I remember you was telling me uh, they had the Foley in on you, and you was like, yo, I ain't leaving this hospital with this Foley. Take this out. And they were like... They're like, no, nah, you gotta keep it in for a couple of days. Like, no, nah, take it out I or I ain't leaving. Refused. I refused. <laughs> yeah. I mean, surgery, you know, it is what it is, man. You there's there's some good things, there's some bad things that come along with it, you know. But like I said, we prayed for those problems, you know. But um yeah, I mean it was the first I'm not gonna lie, the first couple of weeks was tough. I mean, you you came and saw me, Jeff came and saw me. I was struggling, man. Like, you know, those first couple of weeks aren't uh, you know, you don't feel like your your regular self. I'll say that. Yeah. But um, I was very fortunate that the kidney kicked in right away. You know, it was it was it was too active. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't even sleep at night because the kidney was so active that I was getting up every ten minutes to use the restroom. But again, I prayed for those problems. You know, when you're going through dialysis, that's something that you don't get to experience very often. So you know, I I took it and uh, as a blessing. So, um, but you know, each each day gets better. I'll definitely say that each day gets better. You get out the first couple of weeks, man, you get your stitches, your staple removed, and it just gets better from there, bro. Um, you know, it's only been a few months for me, and I'm up to cycling like 15 miles a day. There you, go. you know, we're on the bike, man, putting in crazy miles, and my cardio is better than it was just probably, probably right before I got diagnosed, yeah. you know. And um, some people gain a lot of weight after transplant. Some people lose a lot of weight. Um, me personally, I lost 40 pounds in like four or five days after post-transplant. Yeah. And a lot of that's just water, you know, the kidney kicks in and you just start flushing everything out your body. But, um, you know, like I said, each day gets better, man. And I just tell myself, every time I feel a little ache, a little pain, 
I'll tell God, like, I just let me know the kidney's working, bro. And, you know, I prayed for it to have these type of issues. And thank God I don't have the issues I used to have. So I accept them with open arms, bro. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Teresa said, hey, ma'am, Carrie, thank you for joining. Carrie put uh, prayer hands all over the comments here. Yeah. That's my um, auntie right Yeah. Hey, I wanted to, um, so I know you went at this. I, I think sports is like the best thing. Like, right. it's hard dealing with people who never played a sport because they really don't <laughs> understand teamwork or how to struggle through or thrive through something. what it is. Everything's like, a the, the moment when, and I want you to tell the story, but I knew you went at it like sports because you said when you were done with the surgery and they woke you up, you woke up and was like, was like, is it, are we good? And they were like, it went good. You was like, am I, am I producing urine? They were like, and they were like, yeah, you were like, let's go. I was like, that's like when you hit that big shot, you hit that Man. big shot, you're like, let's go. Like, it was like scoring your first high school touchdown, bro. Man, when I woke up, first thing I wanted to know, like, bro, my pen, is the kidney working? Let me know right now. I remember the doctors were like, hold on, we're going to show you, we're going to show you. And they were like hanging the bag and showing me, and I was super celebrating, like, let's go. Like, <laughs> it was like, I just scored the game winning shot, bro. It was like, it's over. It's a wrap. Let's go. Yo, that's major, man. That's major. And you start celebrating the, the smallest thing bro, you took for granted, man. I'm telling you. You know what I mean? So for me, that was like a victory. Like, okay, it's, it, things are working, the kidneys functioning. Like, that's all I cared about. The first thing I asked as soon as I woke up, not like, can I eat? Can I do this? Can I do that? It was like, I wanted to know if the kidney was working. When he said the kidney was working, it was like game time, bro. I scored the winning, the game winning shot, bro. Yeah. That's all I wanted to hear. So what's in store for the future? Uh, what's your future plans over the next one to three to five years? And uh, I know you got the book coming out. Um, right. We'll, we're we're going to do another interview when that happens. Bring some traffic yeah. to the book, obviously. Um, but right. uh, what's, what, what's your goals now? Um, you know what, man? Like... Obviously, obviously, I want to stay kind of in the same realm we've been staying in. Um, it's just been a lot of community work, a lot of philanthropy work. We've been doing that since like 2011. Um, that's what literally gives me like fulfillment. That's what literally brings me joy and happiness, just kind of like serving others. Um, you know, we've always obviously been believers that, you know, when you do good for others, good comes back to you. So I'm a firm believer in, you know, you want to you want to cash in on your blessing, man, get out there and serve other people. Yeah. You know, and that's just kind of like a model that I personally live my life by. But um, more so, though, since I've kind of gone through this journey over the last five years um, and just experiencing so many different avenues of it from, you know, coping and, and dealing with the the shock of being diagnosed. Um, and then once you get past that, then you get introduced to dialysis, which is a whole nother beast of its own. And then once you get past that. And you start trying to, you know, get your transplant. Um, there's so many, like, hoops and hurdles, man, that you have to jump through and get past that. It's really unfair a lot of times for the for the patient. Yeah. You know, yeah. I've really developed, like, this passion and this, this want to just kind of to be there for people who are experiencing a similar struggle. Um, I look back at it now where if I would have had someone to talk to or someone who could have, you know, could have came and sat down with me, and said, yo, I went through this. I know exactly what you're experiencing. This is what you can expect. This is what's going to happen. This is what you need to do. After surgery, you'll feel this way. This is what helped me. I think, you know, I think it would have gone a long way for me. So um, there's definitely a tug on my heart to kind of fulfill those shoes. Um, and I think in the in the, in the kind of dialysis community and the community of, of 
people who are battling end stage renal disease, yeah. that there's a lot of people out there who are underserved. There's a lot of people out there who are feeling hopeless. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there who are misinformed. And, you know, I have a tug in my heart to be an advocate for all those people because I was all the above at some point in my journey. Yeah. You know, so I'm trying to make myself as available as possible, whether it's through online, whether it's someone wants to get on the phone with me, whether somebody wants to meet in a park, you know, whatever the case may be. But I'm definitely here and I'm trying to make myself even you know, more available so that uh, I can I can coach my people, man, and help people out and just kind of hopefully in the process, just give one person just enough inspiration to know that, you know, it seems tough now and it is tough, but, you know, you just keep doing the work and you're going to, you're going to get through it. No, I don't, I don't know where that mindset came from, but I remember back in the, you know, scribble days when we was, you know, the nightclubbing days, nightclubbing days, we were (laughs) scraping up pennies just so we can get in the club on Thursdays during college Uh, night. Hitting the coin star machine. (laughs) <laughs> a porn star machine would be eating pork rinds with with the uh, what was the orange juice we was drinking? The Tampico, Tampico, <laughs> drinking the Tampico, and just hitting the gym eating honey buns, and right. then that's right. when we came up with the idea of YP, where we were mm-hmm. like, you know what, we got to get it young. We want to be young and prosperous, and we're able to do that. You know, we're able to do in the job in the work sector what a lot of people uh, try to do in their whole lives. Right. And I remember we're driving me, you, and J.O. And like I forget how the conversation came up. Like these are conversations we have. Like we don't we don't talk about what what most people talk about. We were talking about like, yo, we have so much in abundance. Like, mm-hmm. like how do we give thanks? And I remember J.O. was like, only way to give th- to give thanks is to give back. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we you know started getting into like minded and and started right. doing toy drives and. Uh, going to do the stuff with HUD and just giving back and mm-hmm. and going through what you went through it's crazy how that's the first thing that you think of too is like alright I went through it, got through it I gotta give back to help others get through it Right. And it's almost like it's almost like it's just super purpose driven you know what I mean one of the best books ever you know uh, um Pastor Warren, you know, just right. living a purpose-driven life. Purpose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, what did you used to say? The quote you used to say was, um, "Some people live with purpose, and some people are just existing, or something like that." I forget that quote you used to yeah, say. Yeah, I, I always say some people are just existing, and some of us are living. That's you know, nice. I think I think when you're just existing, um, you don't you don't have you haven't found your purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that you don't have one; you just haven't found it. So uh, you're not living day to day trying to achieve it, you know, or, or, or working towards it. And I think when you when you find a purpose that you're passionate about, that's when you really begin to start living life, yeah. you know, because, I mean, nothing's ever made me feel more alive than serving other people. Yeah. You know, when, when you're serving and helping people that are in a tough position and like, I don't care if you went and talked to 500 people, man, and one person hits you up and says, hey, man, because of you, I was able to get through this because of you. You know, I feel like I'm going to make it through this disease because of you. I know what steps to take to get my kidney. It's like, bro, it's worth it. Yeah. And that's all I want. I just want one person who's in a dark place right now just to wake up tomorrow and be like, you know what? I'm going to get I'm going to get through it also. Yeah. You know, that's, that's what I feel like my whole purpose is from this journey that I've gone through. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have realized how underserved the community is of people who need organ donations unless I would have gone through it myself. Yeah. Because from the outside looking in, I had no idea. It's not talked about. 
Yeah. You know, the community itself is underserved. There's so little knowledge out there. Um, even people who who are brave enough to go and donate, even they know very little. They just want to save a life. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think that if we could advocate for the people a little more, if we can get the word out there a little more and just truly share some of these stories, man, there's so many people out there who just need organs. And I think that the state of California overall can do a lot better with harvesting them and getting them to these people in need. Yeah. And, um, you know, so I, I vow to, to do my part and hopefully we can get the word out there and hopefully, you know, we can make a difference somewhere. Yeah. We got a question. Uh, Keon said a uh, question for the guest. Um, how do you keep motivated when unexpected obstacles get in your way? Hmm. I mean, it's faith, man. It's 100 percent faith. And that's why I tell people you have to believe in something. Yeah. Because doctors will fail you. The, the healthcare system will fail you. Your insurance will fail you. People who you thought were your friends will fail you. And nine out of ten times, man, I can guarantee you, if you just believe in something, some type of higher power, you know, that's the only thing that will not fail you in this process. Yeah. You know, I don't care what you call it. I don't care who your God is, you know, what higher power you serve. But I'm telling you that you need to get closer to that per- that person for that power and you ever have been because you will go through you will go through experiences where you'll be challenged physically mentally emotionally spiritually and don't get me wrong i've been challenged in all of those areas prior to my diagnosis but never all of those at the same time yeah and that's what i experienced during this disease and that's when i realized you need to believe in something that's just going to get you out of bed every morning and just make you realize it's a new day new set of problems let's get it let's put the work in let's tackle it and i'll worry about what comes tomorrow tomorrow yeah he literally pulled he literally uh pulled you through uh all the way through absolutely um, Brittany said yes believe amen um yeah man we're getting to the we're we're done we're getting to the end here we've been on here about 50 minutes thank you for everyone who tuned in uh cam is there anything i should have asked you something that you know is was in your mind when you're on your journey that I should have asked a perspective that of of that someone who's struggling really needs to know. Um, you know, if anyone's out there struggling with anything, whether it's it's medical conditions or finances, you know, I always tell people to, and you speak of this a lot too, Dips. It's just to sit down and experience it, go through those emotions, like sit down and feel it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like don't don't. Don't try to mask it. Don't don't drink. Don't do drugs and try to cover it up. Just to experience those emotions. Be present in that moment and just know that you're you're experiencing that for a reason. Yeah. And just never lose sight of the end goal of, of where you're going to be because it's not about where you're currently at. Yeah. But what you're currently going through is preparing you for where you're going to end up. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's why I say your downtime is your prep time. So when you're going through that, just know that this is preparing me for my ultimate blessing. This is preparing me for where I want to be. And when you go through those things, you're going to realize that when that next obstacle comes, it's not going to be as hard and as stressful as you thought it would be because you've already gone through so much before. And that's what I experienced for five years, man. It was like roadblock after roadblock. They they said no to this person. It's okay. We'll go over here. This transplant center said you don't qualify. It's cool. We'll go this one down the street. And that's what we experienced over and over. And then ultimately after five years, we got into the right transplant center. We found the right surgeon. You know, and it happened. Yeah. 
know? So it's like, just go through it, experience it, and just never lose sight of the end goal and just know that it's gonna happen. It's just a matter of time. Keep putting the work in. So you, you touched on something huge, experience it. You know, our experience, that our personal experience is our contribution to the universe. And right. when you drink, smoke, um, even sex, um, eating too much sugar, splurging, those are ways to go unconscious because you don't want to experience the experience in the moment. When it's mm-hmm. the experience that's going to teach you what you need to know to move forward. And so you before you can go to where you're going, you have to be here now first, right? You have to be where you are before you can get to where you're going. So that's super huge, not going unconscious. Um, Keon said, uh, thank you, bro. Great answer. Um, he wants to know how to get in contact with you. So we'll do that at the end. We'll uh, talk about yeah, how sure. they can get in contact. Absolutely. Uh, Brittany said, thank you, Cameron and Roy. I needed an uplifting message today. Yo, oh. thank you. That's what we're here for. That's here for. That's what's for, man. That's what it's here for. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we're just on time. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed creating it for you. Cam, plug yourself, the IGs, uh, what, to, what yeah. to be looking for with your book, and um, uh, where they can find you, and where Keon said he could reach out to you. Yeah, absolutely. So um, like I said, I, I am wrapping up a book <clears throat> that's going to pretty much just detail the entire journey for me uh from from diagnosis to literally days after post-transplant what i was experiencing what i was going through um so from past to present um that book will be called moving mountains um we're probably looking at mid-september maybe early october depending on we can get it all printed up and get released um so i'll definitely keep updates on that um all my social networks on instagram i'm uh cameron underscore prasad is cameron with a k K-A-M-E-R-O-N underscore P as in Paul, E-R-S-A-U-D. Uh, feel free to shoot me an email. It's firstname.lastname at gmail.com. And, um, you know, if you want to talk one-on-one, you want to get on the phone, meet up, depending where you're at, we can Zoom, we can Skype. Just shoot me an email, and um, I'll definitely read back. I'll share with you my phone number, and we can definitely talk and do whatever needs to be done. Yo, perfect. Y'all got that? All right, bro. Thanks for hopping on again. Again, we'll hop on when you drop the book. Absolutely. Um, I'm going to text you right now. I'm going to pull up on you anyway. Thank you guys for joining us. Hope you enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed making it for you. Till next time, always remember to be yourself. And we out. Welcome to the Success Code, where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the Success Code. Success Code.